don't tell your dad I let you go over to that friend's house. Don't tell your mom I gave you a little extra money. Don't tell your dad you failed that test. Don't tell your mom I let you stay out past curfew. Oh, don't tell your dad you broke that. Don't tell your mom that I gave you something else to eat because you didn't like what she fed you that night. Don't tell your dad you scratched his car. Don't tell your mom that you kissed that boy. Don't tell your dad. How many of you have ever played those words in your mind? How many of you have ever said those to your children? Oh, yeah, we have. And here's the thing. A lot of parents say, oh, I've never said that. Don't be lying in church. <laughs> we have all said that at some time. And it's this idea that we're trying to protect our kids. Can I tell you the problem with doing that to your children, and I'm guilty of it as well, is you are teaching them how to be deceptive in your marriages. You're teaching your children that, guess what, you're not on the same team. You can come to me, the cool parent, and we won't tell the other parent so that you don't get in trouble. Now, let me tell you something. Kids learned a long time ago how to play parents off of each other, haven't they? The unfortunate side effect of that is that parents haven't realized that they're on the same team and they need to have the same philosophy in raising their children. Or we'll end up making statements like this and we'll end up raising adults who will do the same thing with their spouses to their children and the cycle will carry on. You see, there's a term called friendly fire. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. It happens in battle. I like to think of it in paintball terms. But the idea of friendly fire is, is you shoot somebody that's on your own team. You don't mean to hit them. You go ahead and you knock them out of the game. But it's called friendly fire. There's far too much friendly fire going on in the family. There's far too much destruction happening in the family. And the reason being is because we don't realize we're on the same team. I'm here to tell you, your kids would love to turn you against one another because once they do, they feel they've got what they want. But I'll be honest with you, once they see what they've turned it into, they realize they don't want that either. We've got to recognize we're on the same team. The passage we're going to look at today really talks about the idea of four sins that can keep a family from being on the same team. So we want to talk about four sins that can keep a family from being on the same team. If you've got your Bibles open up to Genesis 27, we're going to look at a pair of parents that I would tell you, please don't be like them. Their names, Isaac and Rebecca. These are two parents that learned how to not co-parent with one another. In fact, they had their own parent philosophies, their own styles, and in fact, they were a family that was as dysfunctional as could be, and their dysfunction can come into your family as well. And that's what I want to talk about today. So we're going to look at four sins that can keep your family from being on the same team. The first one we'll begin in verse 1 is that deceptions destroy trust. 
Look with me in verse 1. It says, Now it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see that he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, and he answered him, Here I am. Then he said, Behold, now I'm old. I do not know the day of my death. Now, therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and make me savory food such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. I want you to see the first part of deception begins with Isaac. He's being secretive. You need to understand the blessing was something that was important for the entire family. In fact, Jacob is later going to bless all 12 of his children. So the blessing was a significant thing that was important for all the family. Why did Isaac feel the need to hide it from his wife? Why was Jacob not allowed to see how God was going to bless Esau through this blessing? Why were these things taking place? Because Isaac was being deceptive by being secretive. If you have to tell your children, don't tell the other spouse, their mom or their dad, you're being deceptive, and it will destroy trust in your family. Isaac was being very secretive. Don't let them know, I want you to go out and I want you to do this. Now you say, well, why would he be doing that? Well, because he didn't want to follow God's plan. You realize God had already said in Genesis chapter 25 that the older would serve the younger. The blessing God had already bestowed on Jacob, whether Isaac did it or not. But Isaac was being deceptive and probably afraid that his wife would remind him of that, that the blessing belonged to Jacob, but yet he wanted to be deceptive and keep it secretive and not allow her to be a part of it. Because let's be honest, no husband wants to be corrected by their wife, do they? Some of you are like, oh, yes, I thoroughly enjoy my wife correcting me. I really appreciate when she corrects all the ways I type out things incorrectly on my text messages. And no, we don't, we don't like to be corrected. We don't like to be told we're wrong. That's why sometimes we try to keep it secretive. But here's the truth. If you're trying to be secretive, you already know it's wrong. Let that sink in. If you're trying to be secretive, it's because you already know you're wrong. He wanted to keep it from his wife. Now, it says, now, I want you to understand this is something that's really interesting. It, it blew me away when I began to study this, but it says that Isaac was old. Now, you might say, well, what does that mean? How old was he? What, what are we talking about here? This is mind-blowing to me when I think about it, but Isaac was 137 years old. Now, why is that mind-blowing? Is because how old Jacob and Esau are. They're 77 years old. These are not children. These are not little kids. If you really let that sink in for a moment, these are grown adults. Most of you in here aren't even 77. And these men are going to act like little children. But they were being secretive. It was being deceptive. But look at verse 5. Now, Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt game and to bring it. 
So Rebecca spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make savory food for me, that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me from there two choice kids of the goats, and I'll make savory food from them for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father, that he may eat it, and that he may bless you before his death. Here's Rebecca just being deceitful. Well, I heard what your daddy's doing, and now we're going to turn this plan around on him. Now she becomes deceitful. He's secretive. She's deceitful. It's all deception. It's all a bad thing, and the kids are in the middle of it. The kids are seeing these things going on as their parents are plotting against one another and actually going against the will of God. Now, some of you would say, well, Rebecca was just trying to be faithful to what God had told her. Rebecca was just trying to make sure that the blessing went to the child it belonged to. Let me explain something very clearly to you, and I hope if you get anything today, you get this. God does not need your unrighteous acts to fulfill his will. Well, God wants this doesn't mean you sin to make it happen. God did not need, he did not need Rebecca, and he did not need Jacob to be deceitful to fulfill his will. The blessing had already been cast on Jacob. It didn't matter what Isaac said. God was going to make sure that Esau served Jacob. That was his plan. It was always going to come to fruition. She didn't have to make it happen. God had already said it was going to happen. If God said it, it's going to happen whether you believe it or not. You don't have to use unrighteous acts, unrighteous purposes, unrighteous things to accomplish the will of God. If you do that, you're unrighteous and you're not in the will of God. She was deceptive. Very deceptive. And Jacob knew this because in verse 11, and Jacob said to Rebekah's mother, look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I'm a smooth-skinned man. Now, it's amazing. He doesn't look at his mama and go, mama, that's wrong. Isn't that sad? He doesn't look at her. He's not concerned about it being wrong. He's concerned about being caught. That is also deception. If you are more concerned not about being wrong as you are about being caught, you are deceiving yourself thinking that God is okay with your lifestyle. He was concerned that, hey, if my dad feels my arms and sees that I'm not hairy like my brother, then I'll receive a curse. But look at what mama does. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him, and I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go get them for me. If he curses you, it'll be my fault. Let me explain what this means in today's terms. This is when a father or a mother says, I'll handle your father. I'll handle your mother. Have you ever said that? Your child comes to you, begins to share with you something. You give them the permission to go ahead and do it. And they say, well, what if mama disagrees with it? And you say, I'll handle your mother. That is not a good statement. That is a deceptive. That shows your children that you are not on the same team. Don't worry. If your mama disagrees, I'll make sure she understands it's my fault. Don't worry. If your dad disagrees, I'll make sure he understands it's my fault. 
We don't handle one another. We work together. As parents, we have to be on the same team. I will take care of this. Let your curse be on me. And it says, and he went and he got and brought them to his mother. And the mother made savory foods such as his father loved. Then Rebecca took the choice clothes of her elder son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. She put the skins of the kids of the goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. Then she gave the savory food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. In her eyes, she thought she had satisfied everything. I've got it all figured out. Here's the food. Now, you might ask yourself, he was supposed to go out and hunt a deer, a stag. And here she comes in and she goes, go get two kids of the goats. If you ever wondered, a goat is not the same size as a deer. And so she had to use two kids in order to make up for the size of the meal. She also had to use certain spices because, let's be honest, deer is gamey. I don't care how you cook it. But Isaac had a taste for it. That's what he loved. We also know that she said, hey, you know what? I'm going to put your brother's clothes on you. Now, imagine this. Esau has been married. He's got two wives at this time. He doesn't live there. Where did she find the clothes? But she found some of his better clothing that smelled like him from being on the hunt, and she put it on her son Jacob. I guarantee you it probably hung off of him because Jacob was a little bit of a sissy, and Esau was a man's man. Just being honest. And not only that, she said, we'll take care of that smooth skin you have, son. So she sheared the goats and took the fur off of the goats. And she placed it on his arms and on the back of his neck just in case daddy happened to touch him there. She had this whole thing planned out. She had such a deceptive plan that she would fool her husband and that her child would receive what he deserved. Can I tell you, deception destroys trust. It destroys trust. Isaac was being secretive. Rebecca was being deceptive. But the problem was they were revealing to their kids that they weren't on the same team. If I can tell you anything, do not lie in front of your children about your spouse. Do not be secretive with your children away from your spouse. Don't be deceptive with your kids and come up with plans against your spouse. You need to understand your kids will move out. Hopefully your spouse will not. Many have forgotten that. You understand your number one responsibility, your number one love is God But your number two responsibility is your spouse, not your children. They are third. And until they learn that, they will play you, deceive you, defeat you, and can actually destroy your marriages if you're not careful. You've got to understand you're on the same team. Deception will destroy. Number two, appetites destroy conscience. Look at me in verse 18. So he went to his father and said, my father, and he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? Now the real deception begins. Verse 19, Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done just as you told me. Please arise, sit, and eat of my game that your soul may bless me. When, Jacob, when Isaac asked that question, this was the opportunity for Jacob to go, hey, it's, it's me, Jacob. 
You know, I just I, I thought I'd just bring you something to eat, Dad. And as opposed, he says what? He says, I'm Esau, your firstborn. He begins the lie. The bad thing is, is if you begin a lie, you have to keep lying to keep it going, don't you? You ever notice that the lying cycle has to keep going on? And the problem is, you have to remember the lies that you've told before in order to keep the lie going. Because look at what happens in verse 20. But Isaac said to his son, how is it you found it so quickly, my son? The very first thing that kind of throws caution to the wind at this point for Isaac is you shouldn't have been able to found it that quick. That would be like Isaac, or uh, that Esau went out immediately right after Isaac told him. He just walked out with his bow and arrow. There was the big, huge deer. He just goes, thump, he killed it, and he takes it back, and he just starts making food out of it. That it happened that quickly. It was amazing. He knew something wasn't right. It shouldn't happen that soon. But look at how Jacob responds. And he said, because the Lord your God brought it to me. The lies led to blasphemy. God did this. Oh, no, 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 no. Let me warn you. Don't you ever say God did something when it was not God at all. God brought it to me. No, no, no. Your mom and her deceptive plan and her intentions to fool your dad and lie to him and deceive him, that's what it was Satan who was the mastermind behind this whole thing. Don't call what is of Satan saying it is of God. But not only does he falter over the quickness of it, look at verse 21. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you're really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. My ears don't deceive me, do they? I know that voice. Isn't it amazing? I, I used to have this lady at my first church that whenever she would call me, she would always start a conversation off with her name. Can I explain? She never had to give me her name. Her name was Reba, and I could hear her voice as soon as she called. I knew who it was. You can tell voices, right? And you know the voices of your kids. You can tell the differences between them. Even though they may sound similar, you can tell the afflictions in certain words. And he could tell the voice is Jacob's. Now, yeah, I can feel that it's hairy on your arms, but the voice is what's got me right now. Verse 23, and he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. Then he said, are you really my son Esau? Again, his conscience is telling him, this is not the kid. This is not the one. But I want you to understand, unfortunately, for Isaac, his appetites would overcome his conscience. His appetites, because he desired that food so much, he honestly didn't care who was before him. He was hungry. He could only think with his stomach. Isaac is a perfect implication of the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. But he goes on, and Jacob says, I am. Verse 25, he said, bring it near to me, and I'll eat of my son's game so that my soul may bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank. And then his father Isaac said to him, come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near, and he kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his clothing. In other words, one last test. Let me smell if you're my son. Can I tell you something? Our children put off different scents too, don't they? They all have their different Axe body sprays. They're different colognes. 
If they're anything like one of my roommates in college, they bathe in about nine or ten different colognes. It's not pretty. But when you think about it, he knew there was a particular smell to his son Esau, and he smelled it. Why? Because the deception was real. Even though in his mind he knew something was wrong, this doesn't seem right. Too quick, sounds like my other son. I don't think this is the guy. I know he feels like him. I know he smells like him, but something smells fishy. But I'm hungry. And his appetites overcame his conscience. Can I tell you, there are appetites that will destroy your family if you're not careful. There are appetites that will destroy your family. One can be your career. One can be your career when you just want to keep advancing up. Have you forgotten why you work? The reason why you work is to support your family. The problem is, is we get a little bit of coveting and envy and greed when we see the neighbor pull up in the new car. Or we see the the kids are driving new four-wheelers or they have new toys And we want to give that to our kids. And so in order to give that to our kids, we'll work a little extra. Or they took this fancy trip, and we want to take that fancy trip. And so now we've got to work more because we want the bonus, and we want the promotion, and we want the more and more and more and more. And eventually you end up losing your family because you don't have time to spend it with them. Your career, if you're not careful, can destroy your family. Second thing can destroy your family is your lusts. Your lusts. Let me tell you something. You can see other families and say, man, they seem to have a really good relationship. I want that. But I can't have that with the spouse I currently have. I need to go seek it out somewhere else. You say, why would you bring that up? Because 50% of marriages end in divorce because of adultery. Because they want something better. Can I tell you, the pastures are not always greener on the other side. All they've done is sprayed it with ironite to make it look green. And actually, if it's greener, that means it's got more fertilizer. Let me tell you something. If God has blessed you with a spouse, stick with them. Because if they'll put up with you, if they'll deal with you, if they'll live with you, if they'll raise kids with you, if they'll even give you kids. Because I promise you, when my wife told me she was pregnant, I thought, God gave me a kid? Lust can destroy. And ladies, let me tell you something. If a man is willing to listen to you that's not your husband, he's got other things on his mind. Be careful. Men and women lust differently. Men lust visually. Women lust romantically. Be very careful. Lust will destroy it. Not only that, but addiction will destroy it. You may walk out and say, oh, one little sip won't hurt. One little glass won't hurt. You keep telling yourself that because that's what the alcoholic said. Oh, no, marijuana is just a recreational drug. It's just fun. All my friends are doing it. It's not a big deal. In fact, it's legal in most states. I got glaucoma. It's all good. Yeah, you keep telling yourself that. 
As I was told growing up, it's a gateway drug into more and more and more and more. And it is. And it will take you and it will destroy you. And I'm telling you, addiction will destroy not just you. It will destroy your family. It will tear it apart. And kids, let me tell you something. It starts with vaping. They want to make it look so cool. It now looks like a cartridge that you put in your computer. It looks so cool. It seems so cool. Here, take a hit of this. Let me tell you something. I remember something when I was growing up. The best commercial I ever heard was just say no. Don't do it. It'll destroy families. Addiction will. And so will rebellion. So will rebellion. Can I tell you something? You can raise your kids to the best of your ability. But your kids are going to make their own stupid mistakes. I don't care how much you teach them, you train them, you protect them, you guard them, you encage them, you encase them, you lock them in their room. You can take it all away from them. Kids are going to make their own mistakes no matter how hard you parent. But parent together. And don't allow rebellion of children to destroy your families. I've heard parents say, well, my kids weren't the reason why we got divorced. Can I tell you, children are a major reason in a lot of divorce cases, whether they want to admit it or not. Because the parents pit the kids against each other. Rebellion is something you must be careful of. And lastly, selfishness will destroy your family. One of the greatest things I could tell you husbands and wives is put your spouse before yourself. Don't be selfish, be selfless. These things will tear you apart. These are the appetites of the world. They'll tell you, get what you can while you can. Be there for yourself. Do what you want. Get as much money as you can. Go out there and do what you want. Be happy. Have fun. Go for it. Do all these things. And God tells you, be content with what you've got. Find joy in the Lord. Find joy in serving the Lord. You see, the problem is, is the world's appetites don't match up with the appetites of God. And the world's appetites don't bring you joy. They might bring you temporary happiness, but the appetites of the Lord will bring you pure joy. Don't allow the appetites to destroy your conscience. And then he blesses him. In verse 27, in the middle, surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Therefore, may God give you with the dew of heaven of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be those who bless you. The one that catches my eye is verse 29. you got to remember, he thinks he is blessing Esau. And he is going directly against God. Let your mother's sons bow down to you. God was the one who had just earlier in Genesis 25, when the twins were being born, in verse 23, he says this, And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Who was Isaac to say, You know what, I don't care what God said. I'm going to do what I want to do. When your appetites overcome your conscience, what God has already told you to do, don't ever say, well, you know what? I want it. I don't care what God's word says about it. We're living in a society that is saying that over and over and over again. 
that they don't care what the Word of God says anymore. They don't care if you can back it up with Scripture anymore. They don't care what morality is anymore. We've got a country that's going down the tube. It's going down hard. It's going down fast because they want you to be happy. They want you to live the way you want you to live. And they want you to be immoral because they're tired of our morality telling them they're wrong. They're so tired of it. Parents, if the last vestige of morality your children see is in you, then let them see it. Don't give in to the appetites of this world. Don't put your conscience on a shelf. Don't deny what God is speaking. Let God's word reign in your life for your children's lives. Please be strong in the Lord. Number three, loyalties destroy godliness. Look with me in verse 30. Now it happened as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob. And Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also had made savory food and brought it to his father and said to his father, Let my father rise and eat of his son's game that your soul may bless me. And his father Isaac said to him, Who are you? So he said, I'm your son, your firstborn Esau. And Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, Who? Where is the one who hunted the game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came, and I blessed him, and indeed, he shall be blessed. It says he trembled exceedingly. You know what? Isaac's thinking at this point, what have I done? This is not what I intended. I've been deceived. In other words, he begins to play the blame game. The truth of the matter is, is Isaac was wrong this entire time. Secretive, deceptive, trying to go against the will of God. He was wrong, and now he's angry that his wrong has been found out. He exceedingly trembled. In verse 34, when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry. And he said to his father, bless me, me also, O my father. But he said, your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright. And now look, he's taken away my blessing. And he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? You need to understand there's a difference between the blessing and the birthright. The birthright was physical. In fact, the birthright was you were given a double portion. The oldest son was given a double portion of the inheritance and was given headship of the house. The blessing was a spiritual blessing. It was to enact and ask God to do something special in the lives of those children, to bless them in a major way. And now he's saying he's done stolen both of them. Well, the truth is he didn't steal the first one. If you go back to Genesis 25, verse 29, it says, Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with some red stew, for I'm weary. Therefore, his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. Esau said, look, I'm about to die. So what is that birthright to me? Then Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose and went his way. And Esau despised his birthright. I wonder where he gets his appetites from. From his daddy. Like father, like son. He gave away his birthright for a bowl of stew. He was willing to give away the blessing that should have been upon him. That should have been something that was his. But he sold it for a bowl of stew. And now he wants to blame Jacob for deceiving him. Jacob didn't deceive him. He said, hey, look, just tell me you'll give me the birthright and I'll give you some stew. 
could he not have gone and cooked his own meal? The answer is yes. There's so many things that could have happened. In fact, you know what's really amazing about this story is you'll find it again in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 15 to 17. All the way in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, it mentions Esau selling his birthright and how deceitful and awful it was. What a sad testament to this young man. But what a sad testimony to his father. Verse 37 says, Then Isaac answered and said to Esau, Indeed, I've made him your master and all his brethren. I've given to him his servants with grain and wine. I've sustained him. What shall I do now for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, Have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me, me also, my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of the heaven from above. By your sword you shall live and you shall serve your brother and it shall come to pass when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. What a foolish statement to make. Everything I've told him is going to come true, but eventually you'll break the yoke from his neck. That's not what God said. Again, here is Isaac trying to usurp the power of God. God said the older will serve the younger. Didn't put a time limit on it. Didn't give it a timetable. Just said that's how it's going to be. In fact, if you look in Scripture, there were times that Edom broke away from the people of Israel, but eventually they fell captive to the people of Israel and never became free again. But here... Again, Isaac, his loyalty is to his son. You may say, well, why is that? Well, if you look over in chapter 25 where you find a lot of this stuff, in chapter 25 and verse 23 it says this. Actually, not 23. It says in 23, Two nations are the womb, two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. When his days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over. So they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. So the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents. Listen to this. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. They had their favorites. Can I, the loyalties that Isaac had toward Esau even went beyond his loyalty to God. You realize that that is a huge mistake to make according to Scripture. In fact, Jesus tells us in Matthew 10, verse 37, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He was more loyal to his son than to God. And because his loyalties were lost, he destroyed his godliness. He destroyed his desire to follow God's will for he and for his family. I've been reading this week about a man who did the same such thing in 1 Samuel chapter 2. His name is Eli. In verse 12 it says, Now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. Go to verse 22. Now Eli was very old, and he heard everything his sons did to all Israel and how they lay with the women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle meeting. What should Eli have done? He should have put them out. Put them out of the temple. You can't serve the Lord. Your lives don't depict. They're not pure. They're not holy. They're not priestly. You can't serve the Lord. But verse 29, God speaks to Eli. Why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering which I've commanded in my dwelling place and honor your sons more than me. What a rebuke. Will God rebuke you for the way you love your kids more than him? To be honest, if you want to love your kids with the most 
important love you could ever give them, it is to put God first before them. Because you will never love them as much as you will if you put God first. Won't happen. You cannot do it on your own. Loyalties destroy godliness. Finally, hatred destroys unity. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father at hand, then I will kill my brother Jacob. And the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by intending to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to my brother Laban in Haran, and stay with him a few days until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereaved also of you both in one day? And Rebekah said to Isaac, I'm weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. It Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth, like these who are the daughters of the hand, land, what good will, be, will my life be to me? Even in the end, she's still being deceitful. She doesn't even tell her husband why she wants to send her son off. Hey, by the way, Esau wants to kill your other son Jacob, so we need to send him off. No, she says what? She says, I don't want him to marry any of the girls in the land, so let's send him over there to my uncle. Let's, let's send him over there to my brother and let him find a wife over there. She's still being deceptive. She's still not speaking the truth. They're still not on the same page. She said, I'm going to send you over there for a few days. You know what's a real sad testament to this story? It's over 20 years before Jacob comes back. Jacob never sees his mother again because of the hatred that's fueled in that family. The hatred that's fueled in that family. You say, well, what, how can that happen? Well, I'll explain how it happens. Hatred can pop up in your family when you talk about your own family in front of your children. You talk about how much you can't stand your brother, how you won't talk to your sister, how your mama did this to you or your daddy did this to you. And you say those things in front of your kids, and guess what your kids are learning? They're learning the behavior of hatred from their own parents. They're learning to not trust their own parents. You're talking about your parents, but they're thinking about you. The truth of the matter is, is these stories are true. When they're listening to the things that you say, they're watching how you live. You can fuel hatred by your own words. And I look at this passage and she sends her son off. It's just mind-blowing. It made me think about a girl I dated one time. Her grandmother passed away. After grandmother passed away, the family got together and they read the will. Her father was the executor of the will. And he began to read out the will. And as one thing was called out, before the will was even read out, one of the siblings would go, well, that's mine. I called that before she died. And it would be given to somebody else. That's mine. I asked for that before she died. And it was given to somebody else. They said they couldn't even finish reading the will. The family was fighting so much. You must have went to mama and told her you wanted that. You must have went behind my back and done this. And da, 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 da. Hatred will destroy unity in a family. If you want things more than people, you need Jesus. Well, Brother John, you don't know what my brother said about me. Call him and forgive him. Amen. 
Well, you don't know how my mama raised me. Call her and forgive her. You don't know how much my daddy beat me. Call him and forgive him. Hatred is only going to kill you. Let it go. Parents, we have to be on the same team. You may say, well, brother, this is not really a Mother's Day message. No, it's a mother and father. You want to know why? Because we're on the same team. We're not competing with one another. It's not about who's the cool parent. It's not about who gets to be the funniest in the family. It's about being on the same team. We're working for the same cause. Don't allow deception to enter into your marriage. Don't be secretive to keep things from your spouse. Don't allow your kids to get in there and build a wedge between you and your spouse. Don't allow these things to happen. Don't allow deception into your marriage. Don't allow your appetites to rule the things that you do. Don't allow other things in this world to take the place of your family and your God in particular. Don't have any greater loyalty than a loyalty to God. Make him first and your family second. And then don't allow hatred to destroy your family. Because I promise you, it will. We have got to be on the same team, parents. I'm telling you, the world is throwing so much at your kids that if you aren't on the same team, it'll beat you too. Your kids are learning more garbage than they've ever learned before. They're learning more things that are not truthful than ever before. And if you guys aren't on the same team, then they're not going to be listening to you. 